Do you like stunts? What about terminally ill stepfathers? If you answered yes to one or both of those questions, then you could not have picked a better day to stumble upon the Movies for When podcast. The only podcast to currently be broadcast over AM radio. Now, Greg, I sunk the station's last $15,000 into this episode. We really need you to deliver. Don't worry. <laughs> and don't let your dad eat pie. <laughs> don't let your dads eat pie. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Movies for Win with Greggy and Den. Uh, future theme song to be... Uh, to be agreed upon or bought at royaltyfreemusic.com or I feel like a lot of podcasts start out with copyrighted music. That's got to be legal, right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's usually where it comes from. All right. Well, here we are again. Today's episode is Movies for When You're Having a Hot Boy Summer. I'm having a hot boy summer. Greg, are you having a hot boy summer? Hot boy summer. Now, I was really excited to record this episode because... Every day has felt like a really nice hot boy summer. And then today, our recording day, it uh, started to rain. It felt like a mild boy's spring instead of hot boy summer. Pretty yeah, disappointing. That's why the people need us now, Greg. Yeah. Now more than ever. They need movies for when you're having a hot boy summer so they can be ready. But you then it rains. <laughs> that's right. Right. You can't go out and have a hot boy summer. So you have to stay in and have one. And we've got just the movies for you. Boy, do we ever. We've got the movies. Um, I think that this might be a dangerously overly positive episode for me because we are literally doing three of my favorite movies ever made in the history of movies. <laughs> I I just don't know that I have a negative thing to say all day about any of our three movies. What about you, Greg? Uh, I got some negative things to say about one of them, but I had a great time overall. Uh, it's going to be an overwhelmingly positive episode, like you said. Uh, maybe we'll have an all-negativity episode later on down the line. Sure. Um, let's see. Let's go for how we arrived at our picks today. Um, Greg, what was your pick for a movie for when you want to have a Hot Boy Summer? Yeah, well, Hot Boy Summer was pretty open-ended for interpretation, um, I wanted to do something that is all about the hot, all about the summer, but I landed on something that was all about the boys, and I picked Hot Rod. Um, my original pick was 21 Jump Street, but that's literally a movie about going back to school, so that did not <laughs> fit, it didn't fit the summer criteria. Um, Little theme. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Hot Rod, uh, it came to me. And I was just like, this is perfect. It's It's got hot in the title. It's all about the boys. Nobody's going to school. It rules. It's a ton of fun. Speaking of being about the boys, uh, we would like to apologize because today we will not be passing the Bechdel test on this episode. Um, this is a, these are three very male movies that we're going to watch, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or that we've already watched that we're going to be discussing. Um, and you know what? Sometimes it's for the boys. And sometimes, sometimes it's, it's for the girls. And I yeah. think if you're a boy or a girl, you can you can love these movies, even if they are heavily influenced by the male gaze. Yeah, hot... exclusively operated through them. <laughs> Listen, hot girl summer was for everybody. Hot boy summer is for everybody too. There we go. It's very inclusive, despite what the uh, the title would suggest. Exactly. Um, I'm excited for Hot Rod. Um, my pick for when you're when you're having a hot boy summer is heavyweights um 
I first of all chose this because I was sure Greg was going to pick Wet Hot American Summer. And I thought that those, <laughs> those, those are easily my top two picks. Um, man, heavyweights, just you want to talk about being a hot boy, no matter your size, health at all sizes. We'll get into it in heavyweights. Um, that is a VHS that I absolutely wore out as a kid. Um, it was really hard to find for a long time. It didn't really, I don't feel like Disney Buena Vista really dropped a lot of them. Uh, I remember me and my friend in first grade would just rent it every single weekend at Blockbuster. And I don't think I like owned a copy of it until I was in like high school and I found it at Best Buy, um, which just oh, like changed my life. Cause it like, dude, it was, it was just a different time, you know, like you couldn't just stream a movie if you wanted to watch it. Um, <laughs> you just you had to just sit there and miss it um and also like you know i was relying on like parents and grandparents to drive me around places and i didn't know that like i mean i feel like you wouldn't have even found heavyweights if you went to like a sun coast like it was just it's not like it was like a cult classic in the 90s i feel like a lot of millennials love it now looking back but I, all I had of this movie was my memories of it for a long time. Thankfully, I had a lot of memories because there was like like a year period where I feel like me and my friend rented this every single weekend and watched it. I think I know it line for line. You, I did text you like one picture from the movie and you quoted me the next few lines. So <laughs> uh, the fact check has cleared on this, on this claim. Um, I feel like at a certain point you could have just bought the movie and maybe saved your parents some money but whatever but where but where would you buy it like seriously like i don't know it it wasn't i I don't remember ever seeing this like on a shelf in the vhs section of like a walmart or a target or a suncoast and passing it by like i remember my blockbuster had one copy of it and just like it was yours yeah it was like 1995 you don't like order a movie online we yeah. didn't know this, I'm sure. I don't know that you could. I legitimately, I'm, I, I just like, I don't know, man. Like, I it was. I doubt it, yeah. I remember just losing my mind when it got a DVD release and I found it at Best Buy in like high school. I was just like, oh, my life's about to change forever. <laughs> and even then, like, no special features. The loading screen was like a still image of a candy bar. Like, just like no effort put into this thing. Disney was like, I feel like they were ashamed of this movie. Uh, so, but we'll, we'll get into it. It was hard to find. It was really hard to find. Um, at least for me. I don't know. There's probably someone out there being like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I couldn't find it. It was, I was at like, Borders. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> when I was seven, I went to Borders all the time. Let me tell you, reading books, I loved it. <laughs> Not. I mean, having fun isn't hard if you've got a library card. But, um... Yeah, I didn't grow up on this movie. Um, I think I maybe watched it one time back like in 2005 or six, And I was like, man, this is kind of a hidden gem. This is fun. And then uh, I didn't watch it again until uh, we were recording for this episode. And I'm, I'm kind of upset that I didn't watch it more as a kid because this movie kind of rocks. It rocks. Like, it's so good. I can't wait to talk about it um i'm not sure our local blockbuster had a copy maybe that's where i was missing out on dude again like i don't think disney gives a crap about this movie 
I'm surprised they even went through the effort of putting it on Disney Plus. Yeah, I was about to say it's on Disney Plus, but so are so is a bunch of uh, racist stuff. So yeah, they'll put everything on there. <laughs> and uh, Greg, we uh, we got friend of the show Will Reno to mm-hmm. pick our last movie. We both mutually agreed that if there was one person who would know what movie to watch when you're having a hot boy summer, what that it would be friend of the show Will Reno. And Greg, why don't why don't you tell the people? Why don't you tell him what Will chose? Uh, Will, the hottest boy of us all, we kind of approached him, zero context, and just said, hey, what movie do you want to watch when you're having a hot boy summer? He's He gave a lot of suggestions. We told him he had to pick one, but one of his suggestions and his top pick was Wet Hot American Summer. Ooh, baby. Uh, something I kind of anticipated him to pick or at least show up in a list of picks, and sure enough, that's what he uh, that's what he went with. Yeah, I'm excited because not only did I get my top two picks, but I also got Hot Rod, which is one of my favorite movies ever made. I I just, I love all these movies. This was a triple win for me. And I love that you didn't pick Wet Hot like I thought you would, Mm -hmm. because I don't think Will would have picked Hot Rod. He was like saying stuff like Drive, too. Well, Hot Rod was the third on his list. It was in his list of of movies, and I was like, ah, that's kind of validating, but... Yeah, I, I clearly didn't read it uh, that closely, but yeah. I, I think we picked three really, really great Hot Boy Summer movies. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah, we are going to start with Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, Greg, tee us up. Start us off. What is the wettest and hottest thing about an American summer? <laughs> nah, what? just, you know, opening thoughts. I, I feel like... I want to ease into these. I want to let them breathe. I want to Ooh. waft them a little bit because I, I think they're three movies that just get written off because they're comedies. Mm-hmm. I think they're awesome. I, again, there is no high art. I don't care about high art. Um, the same movies for when you're having a synecdoche New York summer. <laughs> movies for when you're having a hot boy summer. So just give me some give me some opening opening thoughts on what hot American summer. Well, that sounds like a terrible summer. Um... yeah i'm not gonna lie man um i saw this movie once uh with some roommates and i think will might have actually been there uh maybe like 2012 2013 i wasn't a big fan of it when i first saw it i thought it was okay i thought the uh the satire was really good and the uh the cast was pretty great but i wasn't i don't know i wasn't really into it um I think what really sold me on the the idea was actually the shows that Netflix put out the uh, the ten years later so good series and the uh, first day of camp love them uh, they were pretty great um, we yeah but unfortunately I I rewatched this movie yesterday and it's I know you're extremely high on it man but I'm not I'm not a huge huge fan of this one ooh that's that's good. Because I was afraid this was just going to be two hours of high fives. Yeah. Um, so I think we need a little we need a little spice because it's not a hot boy summer unless it gets a little hot and spicy. Yeah. So, it gets it gets hot with a little discourse, I guess. Man, this was something that I found at the end of high school, so around two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, man, my friends and I felt like this was like a love letter to us. Um, it was our exact humor. Um, 
and we just could not believe that we had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, how has this been around for like six or seven years and has this cast like this, like a lister after it's just a who's who of two thousands comedy. Mm-hmm. And even like a who's who of like now comedy, like it's crazy that like, this is like a 2001 absurdist goofball comedy. And like, seriously, like, there's a lot of people who are still currently A-listers in it, you know, like who are, who are like relevant right now. Um, I think that this is probably the movie I have watched the most times in my life. Um, I, we just couldn't get enough of it. We felt like everyone needed to see it. So like every time there were people over and there was like one person in the room who hadn't seen it, we would just watch it. Um, I do not think it would be hyperbolic to say I have legitimately watched this movie upwards of 25 times. Um, yeah. 30 seems a little high. 30 is the number I want to go with, but that seems a little high. I really believe I've probably seen this. Like, if you think about it, like, that's a high number for rewatches. I think I have probably watched Wet Hot American Summer at least 25 times, if not more. It really wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I have rewatched it and rewatched it infinitely, and I just love almost everything about it i did have one note which we'll get to eventually i did have one note um so talk to me about why this doesn't really work for you um i don't know when i was going through it i was just i just kept feeling like um it was good satire like i think one of my favorite scenes there's two when they really lean into it and just they have that scene where they're trying to pump up the kids for the softball game against the other camp. <laughs> the anonymous like, evil campers from Camp Tiger, Tiger Claw. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, oh, man, they're going to do that camp trope again. And it's just like, like, doesn't this all the kids are absolutely against it? This seems kind of trite. Yeah, I feel like this has been done before. And then he even <laughs> it's one thing I like is when they go into it they go all the way into it. So he even talks to the other camp counselor from uh, Camp Tigerclaw. He's just like, yeah, the kids aren't really into it. They feel like it's really contrived. And the other the other guy's just like, yeah, I guess this has been done enough times before. Yeah, you, so you get it? Yeah, all right, cool, see ya. <laughs> they were totally cool about it. He runs back. They totally understood. They totally got it. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I so feel good. like... There's a lot of good moments like that, but I just feel like a lot of a lot of the other scenes are trying to go for that sort of thing and they just they don't always land or they don't necessarily commit enough to the satirical um, tones of what they're trying to go for. Well, I mean, I'd even argue that, yeah, I get that it's like supposed to be a satire of camp movies and like that move that scene more than anything is just like blatant we're gonna roast stupid camp movies exactly times um i really think it's more than that i just think it's an absurdist comedy like i think it's just this like slightly surrealist absurdist comedy through the like within the parameters of uh of a satire movie about summer camps but Mm -hmm. man i just think it goes so far beyond just satirizing it like because I, I don't feel like they're really trying to constantly roast camp movies as much as they are paying tribute to them most of the time. It seems um, like they are they have some sort of endearment for them, too. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's a loving jab, you know, yeah. like if, if there's any jab, it's a loving jab. Um, but it's just, you know, it's Michael Showalter, David Wayne and Michael Ian Black. And they just, they make weird stuff. You ever watch their show, Stella? They mm -hmm. make weird. Oh, oh man. I saw that on comedy central back in the day. Um, before I ever saw this movie and loved it. Uh, they just, they make weird stuff. It's what they do. Um, and that's just kind of their fingerprints. And I just think that you may start with satirizing a camp movie, but you put those three people in the mix and this is, this is where you wind up, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, man, where to go from here? I have so much to say. Do you have anything else to say or do we, uh, uh we're getting past opening thoughts. Do we want to jump into just straight, talking points what do you got yeah i had some notes i guess i'll go i'll go for we'll go like one for one we'll kind of trade off right. um right. you know that's kind of my criticism of it i guess is a little bit of disjointed feeling between scenes it seems like a sequence of good ideas and some of them land and some of them don't but at the end of the day we're talking about the a-list cast um dude <laughs> I don't think those shows... The shows were made in 2015 and 2017. I don't think those shows get made if Paul Rudd, Bradley Cooper, and Amy Poehler aren't absolutely A-list stars. And yeah. honestly, dude, Paul Rudd is just killer in this movie. He's, every face he makes. Like, he just... He makes, he makes the most out of everything he does. Um, I even made one of my notes that... When he does the spin around the pole middle finger, it is the greatest <laughs> middle finger of all time. There has never been a better middle finger. And then he like tags it with the behind the neck. Like, yeah. And then just... he high fives one of the campers, right? <laughs> so it's so... That is the best <laughs> middle finger in cinema history. I, I just... It's amazing. It's perfect. I can't um, think of one to argue that, but it's 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 got to be up there. It's fantastic yeah um yeah i even put his, his on his mannerisms his double take at the end when uh when coop walks in uh with his like crop top on mm -hmm. um, paul rudd does this <laughs> hilarious double take at him he just like looks right up at him turns away and then immediately just in the cheesiest hokiest way turns back and goes whoa <laughs> 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 so good. It's, it's amazing yeah. Dude, he, they nailed him in that role, and he just he took it and absolutely ran with it. And he he carried all of that over to the shows, and he's like one of the best part mm -hmm. best parts of the shows too. Like, oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, a note I had here. Uh, this is actually something I've talked about with Will. Um, that this movie really the captures show. the feel. Friend of the show, friend yeah. of the show, Will friend Reno. of the show, Will Reno. Uh, we promised him one shout out and he's already at the all time high. I'm sure he'll have a spreadsheet of who gets the most shout outs on this. Um, uh, he deserves more. He's at a summer camp right now. So, wow. What a guy. What a guy. Um, <laughs> we talked about how uh, this movie really works as like an unreliable narrator's retelling of camp. This mm -hmm. is like what camp feels like when you're in that microcosm of society. Um, it feels like two people kissing is this like unbelievable magical because there's like 20 people in an isolated community you know like <laughs> um it really captures the feeling of um uh, 
of just like how important a talent show could feel. Um, I, I really think that uh, we, we've talked about how this more than most camp movies really gets the spirit of camp and they tell it through absurdity, but that's what camp feels like. And that's what it sounds like when you tell your camp stories, Yeah, you're all like, you wouldn't believe it. Oh my gosh, this dude came up on stage at the talent show. And I swear, I swear a gust of wind just started blowing. You know? <laughs> that's like, that's what hearing a friend's camp story sounds like. Um, yeah. But like it's it's an understanding that all of us have, and Will's going to tell us once he gets back. And next time I see him, he's going to have stories from camp, and it's going to be told from the perspective and to an audience, being I guess you know us and other people is just people that understand camp and the psychology behind it. So we all get it, yeah, and it rules. Like those stories rock because we all understand it now. You challenged me last week to validate one of my claims, validate one of my takes. So what makes you an expert at camp experience, Denny? Oh, man. Um, in a past life, I was a pretty big camp guy. Um, I went to, I honestly, because of my love for heavyweights, wanted to go to summer camp really bad um, when I was growing up. Um, and I was a camper from the time I was like age 11 to 18. Um, I kept going to summer camp when I was 18 years old. <laughs> I was a camp counselor um, from when I was 19 until my last summer as a counselor was 25. Um, I worked full time at a camp for a while. Um, I did some kind of ish assistant director type roles. I hired for a camp. I staffed for a camp. Um, I taught full-time outdoor education at a camp. I lived at a camp. Um, and, you know, it all worked out kind of messily. And I don't really want to get into that on the air. Um, but, uh, you know, there is just something really magical about what camp does. And this time in my life is something that is... Uh, I look back and I have mixed feelings about it. But when I think about the summertime adventures on high... Dude, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I've had a lot of memorable talent shows in my life. <laughs> um, like I, I, I really have. Um, I, I'm such a huge fan of the camp experience. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I want to know your thoughts on what I call the Wilhelm glass breaking noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's this okay. gag they go to over and over and over where every time someone like drops something, whether it's made of glass or not, it's the same glass breaking sound. And once you start looking for it, it is in like everything. It's Dude. everywhere. And I can't find any info on it. I've been like, what is this specific sound? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure if you went to stocksoundeffects.web, <laughs> like... It would be that exact sound because the first time I heard it, uh, Janine Garofalo's character like waves a trowel around and the top flies off and it makes that sound. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that could have been like a pot. And then, <laughs> and then they used it again, like maybe 20 seconds later. And oh, I was yeah. like, oh, they're going to keep using this. Like, I didn't remember that that was like a running joke in the movie. And then it yes. happened so much. And it was, it was one of those things just like, yeah, it reinforces 
the ins the absurdity of the film and it's it's really funny <laughs> well i think that's something that really works about it is the escalation from groundedness to absurdity um yeah. that's kind of one of our first hints because it really starts out with them just like drinking around the campfire we get a few kind of awkward gags at the flagpole but it's just typical camp movie stuff and then like when they're like just spamming that sound effect in the first <laughs> That's kind of one of the first hints that, like, you're about to watch something goofy. Like, you're about to watch something that is, like, not in reality. Um, I put here, one of my notes is, Janine Garofalo is an absolute gem. Put her in the MCU and give her a pile of money. Confirm or deny, Jean Garofalo deserves to coast out the rest of her career in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and just get rich. Just get rich as her wildest dreams. I feel like you're right. I think she's criminally underrated. Um, I feel like she would have done well. What was what was the name of the spoilers for WandaVision? I guess what was the name of that lady in WandaVision that was like the witch? Oh, Agatha. Agatha. Uh, yeah. It was Agatha all along. I feel like that kind of role would have been perfect for like. Janine oh, dude! If she had a Catherine Hahn style breakout as a longtime Janine Garofalo fan, I've just. I've loved her in everything I've seen her in. I've loved her stand up. Um, and for whatever reason, she is just, she never broke that glass ceiling. And Kathleen mm -hmm. was around for a long time and just showed up in WandaVision and was what everyone was talking about coming out of it. Yeah, but she did, she did kill it in that show. <laughs> no, 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 she killed it. I love that. Yeah. I'm saying Catherine Hahn rules and deserves it. And it's proof that like you can be around for a long time and still break out. And yeah. I would love to see Janine Garofalo do that. I would love for it to happen. Um, I've got a hot take. My hit, first hot take. Hit me. Uh, this probably is wet my only hot, hot take. take of the day, actually, a wet hot take. It's wet so hot American oh, take. Sizzling. This is Chris Maloney's greatest performance. Hey, Denny. Which one's Chris yeah. Maloney? Gene LeCook, he's on Law and Order. Oh, SVU. yes, 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 dude. He's like a serious, dramatic actor most of the time. Oh, and he God. is just this, like unhinged, crazy guy in this movie. And I think it's his best role. He I kills love it. I love him. It's just like, it's one of the things I felt about the movie is like a lot of the characters are just completely stand out. And he was like my prime example of a character that just stands out and they're just absolutely insane and performed so well it's just like you gotta watch every time every time he's he's on screen he has these deleted scenes have you ever watched the deleted scenes for this movie i have not he has a few just gems in this movie um that didn't make the cut one's like one of the one of the nerd kids the cure girl the gothish girl mm -hmm. i don't know if had, but she's credited as cure girl which i thought was really <laughs> funny that's like the character's name. <laughs> um, she comes up to him and says she's vegetarian. He's like, eat some corn. And she's like, but I don't like corn. And he just leans in really close and goes, hey, kid, shut up and eat your fucking corn. <laughs> it's so funny. And then like, uh, you can see his wife shows up at the end of the movie and you can actually see her with him at the talent show. Um that made the cut in the movie. They, she never has a line in the movie, but his wife shows up um, and she's like, he's like in full free spirit mode. If you go back and look, he's like wearing these like super stylish eighties, futuristic clothes. And she's like an author 
and one of the character com- characters comes up to her because he's always saying weird things, right? Always weird things he's ashamed yeah. of. Um, and one of, another character comes up to his wife. She's an author, and she goes, "Oh my gosh, I'm a big fan of your work. I love tickling my ass with a feather." And she goes, "So do I." But what do you think of my writing? <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's just so good. I love. I love Gene LeCook so much. I love Chris Maloney in this movie. I've legitimately considered getting a tattoo of him holding the can of mixed vegetables with the inscription being honest makes you feel better. <laughs> I love it so much. That like means... I might still get that tattoo. Yeah, you you say it and I'm just like, what's stopping you? Honestly. <laughs> Placement. <laughs> That's really, a, it's like, I see it as a shoulder piece, but I don't know that I want to give that to my shoulder, you know, put but on, put it on the thigh, man. Oh shit. That's good. Yeah. That's I, know real good. I know what I'm talking about. All right. Real. Um, do you have any more hot takes on the movie? Um, I don't think I have any more hot takes. Um, I have one note. It's like literally my one negative about the movie. Um, I have a few things that tie it all together that I really love. Um, Let's see. One is, oh, here's a good one. I love that they do a really good job of making children dying seem lighthearted and funny. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. I put that Not now. Kid, I'm busy. Give me like 20 minutes. Like literally a kid drowning. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that. I, I wrote a Jason Voorhees wouldn't have had to happen if his mom sent him to Camp Firewood instead of Camp Crystal Lake because here. No one gets upset when the counselors let the kids drown. He just <laughs> would have disappeared without consequences and we wouldn't have had to have like a 120 person killing spree. Yeah. I mean, any witnesses get tossed out of the van somewhere on a country road. So super secret pizza party. <laughs> I love pizza parties. <laughs> um, do you have any hot takes? Um, not really. I feel like, um, I feel like I said everything I need to say. Like I think, okay. I think, I think the shows are better and a little more memorable. That's just that's just my honest take. Um, Two thousand one. It's just like what other satire or like absurdist comedy movies are really coming out besides like I don't know Best in Show and stuff. I feel like it's I love Best in Show. Like, oh, me too. It's great. And it's like for its time. I I feel like it did really great i feel like it could push a little more boundaries but that's just me not watching that kind of film um back when it was coming out you know yeah um i have one or two more things i wanted to throw in and a question i wanted to ask you um let's see one is that um i basically had a story i wanted to tell about this movie i'll do that in a second um actually i'll do it now so on my last day of high school we loved this movie and I drew a picture of the can of mixed vegetables uh, saying to my broadcasting teacher that I would like to come back and meet uh, 10 years from now so we can see what wonderful people we've blossomed into and then told her the date I would come back and meet her at. Um, and apparently she kept it uh, She kept it on her wall for like 10 years um, no and reached way. me and asked if I was going to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And I like took off work to go there. But 930 and, doesn't work for you. Well, no, I, I got there. This is what's crazy. I didn't know this because I actually wrote on there. Um, let's say nine so we can be there by 930. Making um, beeswax to get there at 930. Yeah. So 
I didn't know she did this. She was like taking down her room with a classroom full of students. Um, and she was like pretending to put the paper away and was like, huh, I just noticed that this is today. Do you guys think he'll show up? <laughs> and like everyone was like talking about it. And I called from the front desk at 930 on the dot and all the kids were gathered around the phone and she just goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, send him up. And all the kids <laughs> crazy. Um, and of course, the first thing I said was, oh, sorry, I thought we said nine so we could be here by 930. And she immediately said, make it your beeswax to be there by 930. And uh, Michael Ian Black liked our tweet and uh, David Wayne commented on it. So it, it was a big day for me. That's huge. Dude, those kids those kids thought you were absolute rock stars. Yeah, they told me I was the official religion of McKinney High Broadcasting, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be. <laughs> you can't Heavy make... lies the crown on McKinney High Broadcasting, Broadcasting royalty. But that was a really cool thing that we actually did. Um, and if we ever have a Twitter, maybe we'll post pictures. I don't know. Oh, oh. Guess what, Denny? Holy shit. Is this the reveal? The handle know. reveal? People have been waiting you... for the handle reveal? Uh, I asked to follow you using our official Twitter account, but you You know I don't I don't check my Twitter ever. So I'm going to be running this Twitter account, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... <laughs> We've currently got a really good situation going where Greg does all the work and I just show up and talk about movies once a week. Denny's what we call the talent. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, hey. um, are we done with uh, Wet Hot American Summer? We can transition with Twitter. Well, I had one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, and, yeah, then and you did have a question for me. So Yeah, yeah I'll two questions for you. Ooh. One more thing I wanted to say is I think what makes this movie powerful to me and this honestly, you could make a case that maybe it's not there and I've just watched it too many times and humans will make meaning out of anything. Um but I do think that this is a journey towards self-acceptance. I think there's a thread through all of the character arcs about accepting yourself as you are, not trying to be someone else, not trying to hide things you're embarrassed about. And for me, that's kind of the glue that binds all the crazy together. That's what kind of like gets me that emotional release when they save the camp, because there's so much stuff to just not care about. But I just think you could, and I'll, I'll you know, I could break this down way more in depth and I'm not going to, but I think like all the characters who have an arc that aren't there just to like support or make a gag, they all have a journey towards accepting themselves as they are. And I think that's what makes this not just something that is like silly and funny to me, but something that is one of my favorite movies. It's a simple message. It's really not like a deep concept or anything, but I think it's told really well. And I think that that shows the like, uh, Hey, these were people who were like, actually making a movie and not just dicking around you know like that's the that there was a theme that there were motifs and in this giant mess of who knows what the hell is going on i think that's the constant that is moving forward and that's what makes it a movie and not just a series of skits you know um i didn't realize we were already talking about heavyweights so we're gonna get there more yeah i've got i am gonna break it down in depth when we get to heavyweights hell yeah Um, but uh Two questions for you. One, uh, what's your favorite line in Wet Hot American Summer? Oh, dude, I've ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script on you a little bit. Okay. The, the best line is actually from the show. Okay. And it's when um, I 
can't remember the guy's name. He's got the longer hair. He's the heavier guy in the JJ. movie. Yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know the actor's name. The character's name is JJ. I think he's like. Only I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> when he gets his camp time. shirt and he just goes, "No fucking way!" <laughs> it's so good. Um, he he he's oh my god, that was so funny. That um, line is just on the money. And... Dying someone being so impressed with something so simple <laughs> like there was genuine joy in that and when he said that and then yeah actually the same actor had my other favorite line in the uh, in the film we're actually talking about when he said it's cool to get away from camp even if it's just for an hour Oh my gosh, the way they break down time in this movie is a whole nother rabbit hole yeah, that is exactly. hilarious. And just their hour-long adventure in Waterville. All this stuff happens, and then it's the timestamp shows up, and it's like an hour and a half later. <laughs> and then like yeah. the having to rescue the kids from the river, and it's like, it's a two-hour drive from here. And they just run just, there yeah. in like 10 seconds. It's so good. It's so good. Or that whole, uh, the whole montage with Gene and Coop. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a 20 minute. I'm also going to say it's the goat montage. There's never been a better montage. Um, thanks to Michael Showalter and Chris Maloney. Michael Showalter, I wish you made more things. It's 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes in movie time. Um, <laughs> can I throw out my favorite line? Sure. You taste like a burger. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> You've got barbecue sauce in your face. I don't care. I want to make out. <laughs> okay, but not here. <laughs> what's uh? What's your critical rating for Wet Hot American Summer? <sighs> I thought you'd ask. My critical rating is a 23 out of 40, which is just one shy of a 6 out of 10. So it's like Ooh. a 5.75 5 out of 10. I think this is our biggest disparity yet. I'd say um, so. Mine is a 45 out of 50. That is a 4.5. For the record, my standard is... Uh, and keep in mind, I I break down... I, I rate movies based on their genre, not just, like, rating every movie against each other. So, like, I'm not comparing What Hot American Summer to Whiplash. I'm <laughs> comparing it to, like, Airplane. You know, like, when I say that... Um, you know, and I think that in this genre of comedy, this is in the upper echelon. I think it's one of the best absurdist, surrealist, and camp movies ever made. Um, and so that's why it is a 45 out of 50 or a 4.5 stars out of 5. Um, I love it. 9 out of 10. Hell yeah. We're going we're gonna to have to do... We're going to have to have find some way to review Whiplash. That movie absolutely rules. Movies for when uh, you think that it's fun to make music, but you're wrong. <laughs> and we're back. Seamless edit. Back to part two of the podcast of uh, what to movies for when you're having a hot boy summer and can't remember the name of the podcast. I talked over you on the seamless edit and you forgot the name of the podcast. This is it's it's just so us. It's, it's just so us. us. We're quirky. We're disjointed and fucking up. Welcome back to two white guys making a podcast in their 30s about movies. Uh, I'm, I'm just 30, man. I'm not 
that old. Oh, I'm 31. I'm I'm in my late 30s. Oh, you're deep into it, man. I'm deep into it. I'm in my late. I'm on blood pressure medicine. That's a shoot. Uh-oh. That's for real. <laughs> um, I stopped eating red meat. <laughs> uh, I had red meat tonight, man. Uh, Speaking of never growing up. Hot rod. <laughs> oh man, Greg, tell me, tell me just uh, some floating thoughts on Hot Rod. Just some intro thoughts. Hell yeah, man. Uh, this was my pick. This was my movie of the night. I feel like I discussed enough why I picked it. It's hot. It's all about the boys. It seems to be set in summer. Um, yeah, this movie just absolutely rules. It's like it. It carries the same comedic tone and doesn't vary in like how hard it's trying throughout the movie. And I think it it's just a real consistent effort uh, throughout the entire movie. Just it's gonna make you laugh at the same level. And whether or not <laughs> if you don't like it, you're not going to like the whole thing. If you do like it, you're gonna have an absolutely great time. The first time I watched this movie, I thought it was okay. Maybe like a six out of ten. I laughed a few times. But then uh, I was living. Uh, I was living with a good friend, Nate Wallace, who absolutely loved this movie. And watching it with him really opened my eyes to why this movie absolutely ruled. Um, this is a key example of a movie that maybe you have a beer, you just watch it with the right people, and it's absolutely one of the best film watching experiences you're ever gonna have. I would agree. Um, I remember when this came out, uh, in the summer of 2007, one of our friends saw it. And so we'd made this, uh, we, we made these movies, my senior, or actually sophomore, junior and senior year, we entered the film festival at our high school and made a trilogy of 20 minute, uh, movies about me trying to learn to do a push up because I was too fat to do a push up. Um, and they were all just like all the absurd crazy things that happened and like we watched we thought they were hilarious at the time i've watched them back since and uh they're not but um <laughs> we were we were really proud of ourselves um and a friend saw this movie and was they we called the movie's training video because it started as an actual training video for my brother trying to teach me how to do a pu- push up and hilarity ensued um a friend went to see this and was like guys someone made your sense of humor as a movie it's like it's these dumb film fest movies that you're making but like good and done by hollywood um and it was absolutely right this is very much like wet hot uh also in the sense that it's a surrealist comedy kind of uh, or at least absurdist i don't know if we'll say surrealist it's kind of surrealist david lynch might have something to say about it but <laughs> i don't think they're making a podcast um nobody's so, talking uh, backwards in this movie but it was, uh, gosh, it was so just one of those things that felt like it was made just for us and just for our sense of humor. Um, and I remember seeing it and being like, man, this is a comedy movie and super bad comes out in like two weeks. It's not going to make it. Um, oh yeah. And I was a hundred percent right. I remember super bad, at least in my theaters, like bumped this movie out of theaters. Hot rod only ran for like a couple weeks um, and at the time it was this kind of, it, it's like hard to imagine it this way now. Cause it's such a like cult classic, especially for like millennials. Um, it's, uh, it's something that I feel like so many people love, especially like 
Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island guys and uh, wow, like Danny McBride and holy crap, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. That was for some reason. I love Bill Hader. He's one of my Will favorites. Arnett. Yeah, they're all even Isla Fisher. Everyone in this movie is someone, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I feel like it retroactively became a cult classic, which is awesome. But at the time, I was based. I, I one of my notes here is that uh, this should have been what guardians of the galaxy was it was kind of a risky quirky thing that they just stuck right at the end of summer blockbuster season because screw it let's see what happens um and i'll say in 2007 i don't think that we were ready for this kind of humor and i think that uh competing with super bad did it no favors uh but i'm just glad that it has achieved the cult status it has achieved because i love hot rod it is one of my favorite movies um I saw it at a time in my life. I was right at the end of high school. I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I'd always wanted to be a pro wrestler. That was my childhood dream. And uh, this movie convinced me that I should at least try like it for, for all of its silliness and all of its like just off the wall goofballness. Um, I really think that there is a serious thread underneath it. Like they, it's very much like community knowing that like, one of Harmon's operating principles was like the situations can be madcap, but the characters need to be real. Um, Greendale can be a crazy place, but the emotions these characters feel need to be real. And I really think that's very applicable to hot rod that I think that there is a, an actually really awesome emotional story underneath this absolute like bonk on the head animaniacs exterior you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um and yeah it was a movie that actually affected my life and some choices i made which was really cool it convinced me that it was like no it's cool to try to live your dream that's cool and you should do it so well, you said you wanted to be you wanted to kind of commit to being a wrestler after seeing this movie did your yeah. dad uh die because he was testing the top rope for hulk hogan and the top rope exploded through his skull and he died instantly the next day greg i don't want to spoil the ending of darren aronofsky's the wrestler but uh i haven't seen that movie We're, save it save it save it save it don't spoil it don't spoil I'm it. Spoiling it don't spoil it i'm just making a joke i'm just making a joke we're gonna do a sports episode at some point and i was really hoping you would pick the wrestler for that and i, I will because i really want to watch it for like an episode of this show but i will i was gonna pick friday night so light one of the, oh wait no gosh the blind side i'm gonna pick the what? blind side I'm kidding. I'm kidding for when a score completely overtakes storytelling um can i count uh silver linings playbook as a sports movie i hate that movie really i love I, it i hate it i like i haven't watched it in a while part of me thinks i might like it less than i liked it when i was in my early 20s but i really really liked it it was a good know. movie I saw it maybe like a year after it came out i just i hated it <laughs> i just Not right. I, I didn't like it one bit that was another like personally significant movie to me I'm, that it was like i'm a, sorry i keep ruining all of your personally significant uh, movies man I, I like to know the difference between stuff i like and stuff that's actually good you know i, I like one oscars maybe it's actually good and i'm wrong maybe you're i've always right. loved it i i haven't watched it in a while but i look back on it and i'm like mm, some stuff might not hit the same uh, but I will say it is a movie that like normalized mental illness and mental health struggles to me. And I'm a therapist who is also mentally ill. Um, and so that's just a double whammy. But uh, 
we're not here to talk about movies <laughs> for when you're having a mentally ill summer. We're here for just a regular ill summer. Illest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rod, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, man. This movie rules. Like, it does. Um, I I watched it like I was watching it right before we got on the podcast, but I think I've seen this one maybe like ten times. Honestly, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily, easily ten times. It's it's been a few years, so I I did want the refresher just to get mm-hmm. like back into the spirit of things. But mm-hmm. God dang, this movie just rules. Um, yeah, I put here that uh, something I love about it is that Rod is, and this is an archetype I really appreciate, hashtag sensitive and straight. Um, I, it's it's every Zach Braff character. It's every Jason Siegel character. Um, oh and as, like, I quit the football team to join theater, okay? Um, I have always felt more safe in more feminine spaces i felt more safe in spaces populated by the lgbt community but i've always been like but i'm a straight guy uh i don't want to punch people i don't want to play sports i don't want to degrade women that's not and never has been who i am um where do i fit because I'm not a member of the LGBT community, unless you're someone who counts an ally, and I definitely am. I'll let you guys decide if that makes you a member of the community or not. I think that straight dudes have had enough voices and enough clubs. You can tell me I'm not in your club, and it's okay. Um, I feel safe around women, but I am not female. I am not really effeminate. Um, I don't care about a lot of stuff that women care about on the superficial level. Just like I'll hang around my female friends, and when we're talking about emotions, I'm all there then weddings come up, you know, like, and I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't connect in this way. I just don't, it's not the way I am. Um, So I've always really been drawn to media that had sensitive and straight men in it. Um, Rod is absolutely sensitive and straight. I think it's a reason I really related to him. Um, I think there is a narrative here about non-toxic masculinity being shoehorned into toxic masculinity due to a lack of a healthy male role model. Um, I think you see Rod is clearly trying to be like Frank. Um, He does not fit this role. He's doing something false. He's putting on a mustache, like all this stuff that is not him, but he just keeps seeing this is what men do. And so he keeps trying to do those things, even though he's not, um, my next note is feminist critique introducing (laughs) feminine energy into a masculine community am i thinking too deep this is lame but it's also kind of true and then i wrote fuck it this is roasting toxic masculinity while embracing healthy masculinity or maybe i'm just biased (laughs) (laughs) um i just threw a lot out what do you got greg damn (laughs) feelings reactions i love everything you just said man i never thought of this movie on those levels um i appreciate that you did um and i would agree uh all my notes are i i i'm not gonna lie i only had like a couple of notes because i just i know this movie well enough i feel like i would just uh 
basically riff off whatever you said and then you hit me with something that i wasn't expecting that's what you get here in the movies for one podcast i've got some more shit for later Um, i wanted to lead strong hell yeah man all right um what did you think of this movie how it's structured how the characters are filmmaking what are your thoughts in how this movie is built how it was conceived how it was written how it was Ooh, ooh! i think it's money i don't know if you know this um this movie was originally written for will ferrell um that tracks yeah and well he executive produced it but they basically decided this is not a fit for him he's a little too old this works better with a younger guy so they gave the ball to the lonely island boys um and you know, uh, Andy and Yorma are in it and Akiva Schaefer directed it and cameos in it as the guy who gives Dave some acid. Um, and, uh, I, uh, they, they rewrote it to, to play to Andy Samberg's strengths. Um, and so actually one of my notes is this is so inspired. Um, this is written by dudes who wanted it, you know, like wanted to take the ball and run probably on some level i've got to think they understood that if lauren michaels gives you a plate of money and a major picture deal if you screw it up you don't get to do it again um you know like mm-hmm. uh man even i i specifically see it uh i see it in the third act man oh my gosh the cinematography of that climax just every bit of it um when they have the shot of him just like skating across the ground. Um, I think that this is a beautifully and wonderfully made movie. It's just the definition of like, you know, if you're going to make a comedy, you have to take it seriously. You can't just screw around, Um, which they definitely screwed around, but they took screwing around seriously. It is all measured. It is all intentional. It does not have an improvisation improvisational tone at all mm-hmm. um you Thank know like goodness yeah this is calculated in every way um i think they throw in again much like wet hot american summer um i think this has a very serious thread that runs through it um a very serious emotional thread that they knew this movie only works if you are on the edge of your seat when he's trying to jump those buses um and then they hit it with, uh, oh, I love this line. Life is pain, and we got to scrape the joy out of it every chance we get. Oh, you want to talk about, like, I love something that, like, you're watching it, and you think it's silly, and you don't really realize that you're resonating with, and you don't really realize that you care about it. And then he says something like that, and you're like, man, this movie is about scraping the joy out of a painful life. Um, it's so good, man. I think it's so good. There's so many stuff that was set up and paid off. Um, I really, really love it, man. I'm, I'm getting like actually kind of emotional. Honestly, I really am as we're talking about it. I didn't expect to, but I'm in my feels. I really am. I think it's fantastic. Well, hey, man. I'm glad you're in your feels. I'm glad you drew all that out of it. That's that's yeah. a really impactful line. I think it's I think it's great. I think like it, there's just a lot of joy to be found in in 
everything that happens in the movie and it, yeah that's definitely the theme of the movie and it's like one of my toasts out of a couple is just all all i said was all the characters work great together danny mcbride andy sandberg bill Hader, oh. everybody is just magic isla fisher everyone's just working great together everything's clicking and like even if it's like a long drawn out joke or just like one completely off the cuff comment like mm-hmm. everything just feels like bless you my girlfriend sneezed everything feels like Salud. so completely intentional it's just like oh man mm-hmm. like it feels like the characters or like the actors wrote it together if that mm-hmm. makes sense like well it had to be the lonely island boys did that like everything they've ever made is like this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's their their fingerprints are all over it like yeah definitely and like after this movie like they that's when they got really big was with uh all the snl digital short videos was after this movie mm-hmm. and even though like you were saying it kind of got usurped by super bad mm-hmm. this is kind of where all of that got started and got accepted and we all got accustomed to that like this sense of humor you're gonna absolutely love it and these guys are gonna deliver it Mm -hmm. over the next few years and this might be their best example of it was an entire movie of it Mm -hmm. i love it yeah i was uh i was tracking some hero's journey arcs uh and just themes as they went on um to take it fully serious before we go back to goofiness um I put that Rod becomes fully toxically masculine when he trashes the projector and attacks Kevin. Um, yeah. He's being mocked, and that's when he finally becomes insanely toxically masculine. Um, just has, like, flirted with it this whole time, has kind of wanted to be that guy, but he's just not, you know? like, And then mm-hmm. he just, like, the toxic masculinity comes out in him. And what changes him is when the more toxically masculine members of his crew, uh, uh, Bill Hader and Danny McBride, they cry and show vulnerability when he tries to grow up and become his false self. Back when he was no longer legit. And for, and that, so reason, for that reason, he must quit. Quit. Um, and I, I just thought that was interesting, you know, talking about uh, that's that's where I always go with the movie is like, I'll watch it once and I'll be like, man, that worked for me. I wonder why, you know, like and these are the threads that I go back to and I'm like, there was a serious story going on here, a serious story wrapped in a really, really goofy uh, context Mm-hmm. But there's a serious thread and I can break it down and I can look at all these story beats and be like, men showed a vulnerability. Um, and that's what changed him. That's what opened him up and got him more vulnerable and getting hit by a van. Uh, Many times, dude. <laughs> the one the one where he's walking away from the too legit to quit scene doesn't <laughs> even have a point. Like he like there's like literally no reason he gets hit by that van. He just uh uh, uh <laughs> like he's like holding his neck in the next shot and that's it. Like there's like no other reason for it. It's it didn't so, need to happen. <laughs> just it's so awesome. <laughs> Hold up, my uh, my computer's dying. Got to plug it back in. There we go. 
Um, computer's alive. I had a, a, had a few other goofy notes here. Do you have any other thoughts before we get into goofy notes? Uh, let me see here. Uh, just one. Uh, my first note, one of my, one of my few, was uh, there's no tool in this pool. In the one. This is a. The movie is a pool, and there's no tool in that. There's no one playing the straight man character. There's Rod's no... mom. Rod's mom. Is she's she though? Person. Yeah, dude. Like, she doesn't. She takes everything seriously. She takes everything seriously. She's like, but her character is written comedically, where she's like, well, we told Kevin. Like maybe we should have yeah. told has, you she earlier. Funny, she has funny lines, but she's never like. It's not that she's not a serious character, but she's just like, well, your dad just choked on some pie. <laughs> like, That's really funny. She's, Which... she's delivering serious scenes, but there's always a punchline associated. Sure. But like... which, by the way, did you know that she is Sissy Spacek? She's Carrie? No. Vanessa told me that when we were watching it. I never noticed it before. That is Carrie. Vanessa's <laughs> contributing a lot to this show. She contributes a lot to everything. That's just the way she is. Vanessa's great. Vanessa, thanks for listening to this. Oh, wow. She just <laughs> said you're in the room. I heard that. Wow. I didn't know you were listening to it live. Love you. Vanessa is the only audience member at our first live episode of Movies for Win. Live tape Movies for Win. My dog's been <laughs> out of the room. Um, but there, there were no series. What about uh, Isla Fisher, Denise? She's pretty serious. She's she's one character I want to say. She's she's interesting the way her character is set up. She's someone that's like not she's not carrying a lot of the jokes. She's not participating in a lot of the goofiness. She's not really the butt of any jokes either, but she's mm -hmm. she's just like she's just kind of there. It's weird. Her character is weird in that she's just like well, what's the initiation? She's just like always there to go along with what everyone's doing. She's Yeah, there's there's no real reason. Like that it's actually kind of hard to buy that she would hang out with these goofs, but I think that uh, I'm like definitely a little bit uh 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 manic pixie dream girl without the manic pixie part, but uh you know, there's definitely a little male fantasy in that that like you can just be a screw up with your friends and the hot girl next door will ditch her rich boyfriend and be like, I like screw ups who just fuck around with their friends all day. Um, yeah. That's uh, more than a little male fantasy. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. That it, it feels a little hammed in to that point, but uh, I was 17. I, I don't hate it. <laughs> I wanted to believe. I wanted to believe she's out there for me too, trying to suppress her Australian accent when she's delivering these lines. But then again, uh, you know, I, I, I did like her her explanation of it all is that like she actually went out into the real world and it's not that cool. Mm -hmm. And she respects that Rod stayed true to himself. And no matter how silly that was. Yeah, you know, and I do think like you have to wait a little longer for that to come back around and you have to like get a job and like not be a screw up and you know, demonstrate some value in some way. Buy some groceries. Um, buy some groceries. You can't be a man child. 
but I do think that that does pay off. Um, that be true to yourself and find someone who likes you the way you are, you know, find someone who thinks that you're the shit and it's, you know, it's, you're not entitled to it. And I think that's where a lot of neckbeard culture gets really mixed up. Um, and I, and, you know, I'll admit that it, it is just male fantasy. Um, but it's also so egregious that like her rich boyfriend, who's a lawyer who drives a Corvette and just like never says anything that a normal human would ever say. is just like evil all the way through. Denny, you chode. I owe you a shot to the nuts. <laughs> but again, we're not here to pass the Bagdell test. We're here to have a hot boy summer. Uh... Yeah, this is hot boy summer material. And there's the pretty lady. She ditches her boyfriend. By the way, this is going to be for, like, one person that listens to this. But one of my favorite bands that I ever would go to see live, uh, they're called The Chariot. Mm -hmm. They would do... Oh, Gavin a... DeGraw? No. <laughs> no. Shut up. <laughs> There's a band called The Chariot, and every single mic check that they would do, I went and saw their shows for, like, over like the course of four years four or five years and all of their mic checks would be this the lead singer going into the microphone and just saying babe wait babe no no babe wait babe wait babe babe wait no babe babe no wait will arnett is just the man he's awesome <sighs> Uh, I had two more random talking points. Hit me. Um, one is that Ian McShane put more into this than he did as Blackbeard in Pirates of the Caribbean 4. <laughs> just, just thought we all needed to know. He clearly mailed it in for Pirates 4, and could you blame him? I don't. Oh, he ruled in this movie. Though. Oh, he showed up for this role. You're a pussy. <laughs> I am sleeping. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Dude. And then, you know, I, I thought you would have at some point brought up the psychology aspects around, like, needing to physically dominate your stepdad. Oh, something. this is such a Freud was right movie. Hashtag <laughs> Freud was right. Um, he needed to uh, really not all that symbolically kill his father. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't subtle symbolism no but it was it was great it was it was really funny they both played their relationship super super hilariously it was so great um i've got one more thing that i think is just kind of mind-blowing that the world needs to know i once knew someone who was a linguist and they told me that actually in Old English, in words that have a WH, the H used to come before the W, and it was changed for stylistic reasons, but the original pronunciation oh. is actually whiskey. What? Oh. Yeah. Why? Stop saying what, what, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it blew my mind when that linguist friend of mine told me that... Uh, I have not fact checked this at all, by the way. This is literally just something Wait. someone told me one time. But yeah, they smart. They had several books 
um, <laughs> on their person at the time that they told me this. Um, that rocks. That yeah, that that is the original pronunciation. The H came before the W, mm-hmm. and so therefore, through reading it and saying it the way we said it, changed. Just a little fun fact about how Hot Rod was really educating us. That really is a hot take. That's not even a hot take. That's a fun that's fact. A, that's a, that, that's a very fun fact. Yeah, dude. Uh, I guess my last note is the physical comedy in this is second <laughs> to none, dude. Just like it's a it's a comedy movie about a stuntman. You've got to like do stuff that physically kills him a few yeah. times, and they do it a few times. <laughs> And it's so good. Dude, I think the funniest the funniest delivered line in the whole movie is when he's dance punching his feelings in the forest. And he just he flings himself over the log and just goes shit. <laughs> and that was like really before we'd had a lot of like comedic overkill with you know yeah. like I feel like that's he rolled down the hill for too long and that happens in a lot of stuff now family guy really beat it to death i was gonna say that's like a family guy bit that goes on for even longer and isn't as funny but it it's which family guy did do it first but like not as well not as well and it just in 2007 that was not an overplayed bit it was just like mind-blowing that they were dragging it out for so long it was so funny (laughs) It's like properly escalated and then ended at exactly the right time. Yeah. To um, reveal a fun plot point. I recommend anyone check out the uh, check out the uh, soundtrack to this movie. There's an extended Cool Beans track, and it'll really expose you to the band Europe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of awesome music for this. Um, I was going to ask you your favorite line. Do you want to go with shit? <laughs> It is. That's that's my okay. favorite line. But like, there's just so many good ones. Like, it's it's a movie of like a whole bunch of well set up sequences and jokes. Mm-hmm. But then there's just also these random one liners that have no setup, no follow up, and it's just they just exist right there. And it's mm-hmm. stuff like I'm gonna go drop some major dumpage, and then Daniel. <laughs> it's just so much stuff like that. But I think that oh, yeah. shit is just. <laughs> One, I think I I gotta take it back. I think my favorite line in the movie might actually be the two paramedics that are at Rod's house, and just one guy just says, "I give the old man a week." You know that's really insensitive, Bob. That's a that's a and deleted that's scene. That's a deleted scene. No, it's in the movie. It, no, dude, it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's a no, deleted. I, I no, just, it's in the movie. I just watched it. Yeah, it's in the oh, movie. Oh, never mind. Never mind. And it's hilarious. Oh, I'm thinking of it. There's a different deleted scene where uh, Rod, Rod and Kevin are walking into the house, and Rod just runs in front of him and slams the door, and Kevin just has to stand there and bang on it. That's why. <laughs> <I was thinking. laughs> um, my favorite line is: uh, "Is this some type of interactive theater art piece?" <laughs> <laughs> the house that everyone is grieving frank <laughs> it's like the most insane thing that you could possibly think was happening in that moment and he delivers it with such sincerity <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, what's your critic rating greg uh let me see you here Whew. 
That's a very good laugh. Uh, my critical rating, we have a 31 out of 40. Ooh, yeah! Which is a just shy of an 8. It is a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, I've also got this at a 45 out of 50. Same as Wet Hot. Nice. Um, I think, again, looking at a movie in its genre, I think this is the cream of the crop. I think the only thing in the genre that I'd place above both of those movies is probably Airplane. Um, mm -hmm. I think I have that at like a 46. And I don't think I've hit like a five-star absurdist spoof movie. Um, you know that in your gut when you see it, and I just don't know that I've seen one. Um, but yeah, this is a 4.5 out of 5 stars for me. Very nice. It's very good. I feel like I have this rated too low, honestly. You need to, like, again... It is well made. It is well shot. the The filmmaking aspect is there. Yeah. Um, again, the narrative thread is there, and then you just have these hilarious jokes on the surface. You yeah. know, like the, yeah. the 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 access point is absolutely there too. Um, yeah, it's like the oh man, the filmmaking services the comedy so well. Like mm -hmm. the, it might have the best opening scene in a comedy movie ever and it's like <laughs> it serves so well by just the camera work of like him the ramp just completely fucking up and collapsing and he like he breaks his back and then like the next shot is like a shaky cam of somebody like running up to him and he's just throwing up <laughs> and like that shaky cam footage and just like all that is set up and it's delivered so well absolutely it's absolutely. so funny seamless at it number oh, okay you ready <laughs> no leave that in no no edit with seams seemed, there's seams in this edit baby seemed e seemed edit edit. Number edit. seemed edit number two <laughs> the seams are showing the craftsmanship is shoddy and we're here to talk about heavyweights <laughs> i love heavyweights so much denny this was your pick this was this your was my film. pick you this selected this pick. why did you oh. select this movie for hot boy summer um again first of all like camp culture um we watched this movie so much we quoted it there constantly um i kind of got into how much i loved this as a kid um i do think it is one of the few childhood movies that absolutely holds up um, I think it is great in 2021. Um, I love a quality family movie and this uh, using the term family movie, meaning a child, a teenager and an adult could all enjoy it for different reasons possibly, but they could all enjoy it. Um, I think this is the definition of a family movie. Um, it means so much to me on a personal level. Um, not just cause I loved it as a kid, but because I'm a lifelong fat kid, uh, except for a few times when I really struggled with disordered eating um, and, uh, and self-hate and my body. And uh, this was a movie that, first of all, I really think despite a lot of its questionable body shaming humor is a very body positive movie. Um, it was the first time I got the idea that uh, being overweight could be a sense of community that I could get ahead of that scandal and respond to that scandal by being like, suck it. I'm the fat guy. You got shit to say, say it. um, that you could own it. Um, I literally put, uh, actually in my notes, why this is perfect for hot boy summer. 
Um, yes, it's an intensely male movie, sure. But name a movie that does a better job at addressing male body image issues. I can't think of one. I will wait. I will wait for anyone to name a, be- a movie that does a better job at addressing male body image issues. There's not one. This is literally the best at it. I can't think and, of one. Yeah. And again, because I have a long-standing theory that Tony Perkis is not the antagonist of this movie. The yeah. antagonist is self-hate. And Tony Perkis is a personification of that antagonist. But we meet him pretty late in the movie. And we dispose of him pretty early in the movie. And when things really change is when they start to accept themselves, love themselves. Um, And we meet self-hate in the first scene. Uh, Gerald Garner, Jerry Garner is chasing the school bus and they like literally like ADR in someone saying like, run fat boy. Um, We see his shame like literally as soon as the movie starts. And he doubles down on his shame by self-indulging. Um, and we see that throughout the movie, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, man, I love this movie. I'm taking this so serious. I thought we were just going to get together and be like, these movies rule, but this is the way I am. And these, this is the way these movies hit me. Oh, this is what happens when we like movies. We get all sappy. I'm always sappy. I'm a therapist. Have you met me? Nah, you're it's great. I like it. <laughs> um, I put... This soundtrack is perfect and infinitely iconic. Dot 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 to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean every time I hear closer to free, oh my god. I love it. You're getting you're giving out a lot of uh, universal positives for this movie and I really love it, man. I'm so crazy about this movie, man. Um I also love that it is in Paul Feig's IMDb Top 4. <laughs> if you pull up his IMDb, it's one of his Top 4 features. <laughs> That's what you get for making the 2016 Ghostbusters and a simple favor, you hack. I'm kidding, he's not a hack. He's That's done right. some things. He's not a hack. He's not a hack, but some stuff sucks. Yeah. Man, um... I wish I had the rich personal connection to this movie that you did, man. Like, I'm not a fat kid. I am. I have been <coughs> severely underweight my entire life. I'm the skinniest person most of us know. For for our listeners, I often joke that uh, somewhere in Greg's body is the secret to the number one selling diet pill in America. And we just need to keep drawing his blood when he's not looking until we find it. <laughs> the Texas mosquitoes are working hard at it. <laughs> Man, yeah, you'll you'll never get my secrets. Um, yeah, like I I watched this movie for the first time. It like I think you were hinting at it early on. It was just like one of Disney's. Disney was trying to like keep it under wraps. What you're saying? Well. Um, <laughs> I think Judd Apatow directed it. Is it Apatow or Apatow? I never know. I say Apatow. I don't. I'll say Apatow. I, mean, I think he I, he wrote it. Did he direct it? 
he wrote and directed it. He co-wrote it with, uh, uh, with, hold on. I wrote his name down. Um, <laughs> he co-wrote it with, I want to say Stephen Brill. Yeah. Stephen Brill, who also wrote the David Arquette classic ready to rumble. Oh my God. Which I will be choosing instead of the wrestler when we do a sports no! episode. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Judd Apatow wrote and directed it. Um, and I, I heard in an interview one time, people were like, how did you get Disney to okay this movie? And it was basically like, well, we just kind of kept a low profile and just went off and kind of did our own thing and didn't really communicate and then said, here's your movie. And they <laughs> weren't immensely pleased with it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought the cinematography and the editing techniques were great. They're fantastic. No, that's the thing. Is it's that it's was... so much better than it should be. That's a reference. Cinematography and the editing techniques were great. What's that a reference to? Oh, Vince... heavyweights. That's a reference but to heavyweights. The villain was a little over the top. It was such a cool <laughs> meta moment. Like it was such a like cool meta moment that like he was talking about how ridiculous of a villain Tony Perkis is as Tony Perkis. Dude, yeah, this movie, it rocks, man. I watched it, I think I watched it for the first time, maybe like 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was an all-time Ben Stiller performance, and I hadn't seen it since then, and then I watched it on Disney Plus again uh, this past weekend. It was way better than I remember it. I thought it was really amazing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I thought like the... The body, the body positivity things, the themes you're talking about are, I feel like they would have been more hammed up in any other 1995 movie, but they just felt a little more organic in this one. Yeah, no, I I, I really agree. And I think it's because they had this, they had these really cool hero's journey theme. Um, Like when he meets uh, Kenan Thompson's Roy um, on the plane, Keenan is his mentor slash helper who helps him cross the threshold into Camp Hope. Um, and he immediately accepts himself. First thing out of his mouth, when Jerry is sitting there feeling shame, um, he is like having the worst day of his life. And Keenan goes like, hey, you going to fat camp? <laughs> no, why? Because you're fat. So are you. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm going to fat camp. Just like no shame. Just like self-acceptance. That's the first mm-hmm. thing he introduces um he thinks he's going to this weight loss camp um and nope these kids are all eating oreos that they snuck in which is just such a great camp movie scene when they're all chipmunks download um i think pat finley is the archetypal goddess um he is kind of the the character who is constantly reminding jerry of important truths about himself that he's going to need in his in his trials you know like um jerry has a meeting with the goddess before their big 20 mile hike um i uh i really love when josh gets kicked out of camp and he comes back and he talks about going to the sizzler and he sneaks food in and all that stuff he helps him do that i love that he thinks he has found self-acceptance and brings it to the rest of the boys but really he's found self-indulgence. It's not the same as self-acceptance. And I thought it really made for a really great want versus need scenario. 
you know like if if you're asking what does this character want versus what does this character need i think they have a really really solid arc for gerald garner um and the rest of the kids at camp hope and pat finley um always love uh tom mcgowan for being for being cat pat finley i just mm. love when he shows up in anything i always love to see that he's getting work um I, he's so damn endearing in this role yeah for real it. yeah he's so good like would your life have not been better if you knew pat finley growing up just a good positive male role model Dude, he he like represents all those things and like just carries all those things that like a an adult that genuinely cares about kids it's like mm -hmm. all contained within that character it's just like mm -hmm. somebody that wants to improve the lives of the kids that he's working with mm -hmm. it's awesome and like it the the performance feels genuine too so it like that helps sell and reinforce that idea that performance yeah, yeah. It's no, awesome. he's very, very genuine. Very, like, to the point that, like, we talked last week about do you remember the character's name? Um, I don't, when when he shows up in something else, I don't go, that's Tom McGowan. I go, oh, Pat Finley mm -hmm. from the Chipmunk Bunk. Like, it just, he just, I really felt like this was just such a, like, transparent performance. You know, like, I just felt, I, I feel more like he's Pat Finley than Tom McGowan. Like, just, I love it. Um, yeah. Speaking of transparent, Jeffrey Tambor's in this movie. Yeah, that blew my mind. <laughs> when I went back and watched this, my freshman year of college, after I'd seen Arrested Development, I was just like, I was. I started calling people. I was like, you're never going to believe this, but Jeffrey Tambor is the dad in Heavyweights. Dude, <laughs> I, I, I didn't recognize him on this rewatch. Like, I didn't recognize him in the first scene. And then, like, he comes back to the camp, I'm like, Oh my God, that's Jeffrey Tambor. It's Jeffrey Tambor. It's insane, man. Yeah. It's, it's wild. Unfortunate truth has come out about him in recent past, but it is. Yeah, it was 2009 when I had this epiphany. And yeah. it, it, it was in, it was definitely interesting to see him, though, in this in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, man. Uh, the same thing like I was saying about Paul Rudd just being like, Everything he does is perfect. He was perfectly cast for this movie. Ben Stiller's character is just oh. like perfectly made for this movie. Like he he was made to play this role. And speaking of the Jeffrey Tambor connection, dude, this guy is Tony Wonder. Oh yeah, and White Goodman. Dude, no, it's I think Tony Perkis left the camp and became Tony Wonder and I think Arrested Development and Heavyweights exist in the same universe. Holy shit. Please tag us online if you uh Did did you stick around for the post credit scene? No. Hit me. What happened? A doorbell rings and it opens and Tony Perkis is selling healing crystals door to door. <laughs> you know the best way to sell those? How? A little office magic <laughs> man talk i actually also kind of want to get a tony perkis tattoo of uh i want it to be him with uh that purple blazer he's wearing and the britney spears mic um you know what i'm talking about yeah, when he yeah. produces and i want the inscription to just say see more butts <laughs> 
other note I had about like your your talk about Jerry being like accepted by Keenan's character on the plane mm-hmm. and like the first scene of the movie. It's like he also goes into the bunk and you know, we've talked about camp movies a lot already, but like mm-hmm. a lot of these kids like they go into a new group of friends and they have to like prove themselves, but these mm-hmm. kids are just like oh, you got the wings on, you're the captain, right? And they just like yeah. they give him a nickname. That's his new thing. He's part of the crew. Like instantaneously. Yeah. It's like, "Here, yeah, come dude, on. That's the thing. Here's how it works. Here's what we do. You're our friend now. It's awesome." They know what it's like to be rejected, and they would never want anyone to feel that bad, so they don't reject people. They accept yeah. people. Um, you know, it's it's literally what Keenan says to him on the plane is like, "Dude, it's the best thing ever. You're not the fat kid. Everybody's the fat kid." Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's the like social paradise you know like and um man you just see them overcoming that when they like get up their confidence and they get like girls to dance with them and girls like them the way they are and then tony perkis snuffs that out um i thought that they really grounded tony with his own trauma um that was like the one thing that kept that over the top character on earth you know like Mm -hmm. is that um we see that this is a dude over responding to his parents, not loving him and him being overweight as a child. Um, this is a dude overcompensating. He is clearly unwell. Um, and those are things that kind of like keep him in orbit instead of just being this, like, otherwise he's a cartoon character, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really love, like, he's trying to like punish the kids. Like he's punished himself because he thinks that's the path to righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, And then what's something I thought was really creative is that um, they have the campers shame Tony when he's like locked in a cage. They bring the boom box and tell him he's a loser with a skinny wiener and he has no value. Um, They became what they hated. Um, Yeah. Like I, I thought it was really creative that the campers low point in this journey is actually presented as a high point. They're mocking Tony Perkis and then they have that awesome, like, just binge, clinical binge um, <laughs> on food. Um, and it's it's presented as, like, a peak moment. But then they wake up the next day, and they're like, Pat Finley is like, you've got to start loving yourselves. You've yeah. got to start respecting yourselves. Um, and that's their atonement with the Father, when they make peace with what holds ultimate power in their life, which is not their weight, not someone telling them to lose weight, but their self-hate mm-hmm. that they cope with by self-indulging. And then they learn to cope with it by self-care and treat themselves with respect. And I just think it is the coolest arc. I really, really do. Um, I loved that they still sucked at athletics when they got to the Apache Relay. Okay. I really... Go ahead. Quick note. Yes. It's the Apache Relay. And they're dressing mm-hmm. up as Native Americans. Maybe that's probably that enough. wasn't great. They're it all... wasn't. It's not a great look, but it's '95. We all played cowboys and Indians when we were growing up in the '90s. Yeah. Why were the other kids dressed up as like Greek? Like, to- why were they wearing togas? Did I miss a line? Like, what what happened there? Why are they? It's because they're it's because they're anonymously evil campers. Like when Hot American Summer effectively satirized. Camp Tiger Claw comes in dressed up like Greek. 
those anonymously evil campers like um, frat brothers. <laughs> I think it was just meant to create contrast. I don't know that there was anything that deep to it. Yeah, um, it's just a random selection. Like, well, they can't all be dressed as someone would have said mm -hmm. Indians on the set. Yeah. Like, so let's give these kids some togas so we know they're different. <laughs> I think it was meant to be like you know the uh, they've got a physique like a Greek god, you know, kind of kind of drawn up that imagery. I guess so. And the other yeah. kids actually paid attention to the assignment. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's what I loved is that I loved that they did not lose the weight. I loved that they still sucked at athletics. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they were like, the moral of the story was like, yeah, but that's not all that matters. You're being told that that's the only important thing, and it's just not true. And they proved it by, like, throwing the trophy into the lake. And they were like, who yeah. cares? I, like, I, I really liked that, personally, where it was just like, you know, what I talked about, what Hot, America, what Hot American Summer was satirizing that... <laughs> that typical camp trope of like beating the other camp and winning the trophy the coveted something something yeah and then these kids just toss it into the lake like they they do the same thing but they just toss the trophy into the lake because that's not what it was all about in the uh in the grand scheme of things well that's the thing it's like they never cared about it before why would they care about it now i don't think it was even uh, mentioned before except maybe, like maybe once well that was the thing tony perkis is like trying to make them care about the apache relay and they're like, dude, it's this dumb it's thing. Like... Where they like come over and get camp MVP kids, like just trounce us every summer. No one cares. It's just this um, random thing that happens at the end of camp that we don't really care about. Yeah, That's, exactly. They never cared. It was never about that. But now that they've given themselves and each other the opportunity to like experience like a camaraderie, then it yeah. becomes a more fun thing. And it was never about the trophy. It's about what they get from each other. It's great. Mm -hmm. So, goodbye, trophy. We've got a really rough. We've got we've got a, a an error in our podcasting right now, Greg. Uh -oh. We've made it pretty far into this discussion about heavyweights, and we have not once mentioned the character Lars, who oh. is a fantastic character with some money lines, just money lines in this movie. That, oh, he kicks ass. I love him. I've quoted him. Buddy! Buddy! <laughs> I just love the one kid sitting on the dock raising his hand. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, his his over-enthusiasm matching with their complete lack of enthusiasm is, is really great. Yeah. Um, my, my parents sent me to this, like, sports performance after school program called Velocity when I was in middle school. Kick-ass. Uh, I was very overweight. Uh, I was playing sports, and it was really clear that that was not going to work out for me. But my parents had a dream, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and uh, we actually did the glide boards that they do in this movie. Um, you know, where they're like playing uh, Le Freak. Uh, glide, 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 <laughs> glide. Um, so that was really cool. But I remember on one of the runs, um, I screamed out, I'm feeling skinny, Tony! <laughs> for that. Um, I have another story of quoting Lars. Uh, 
when I worked at camp, like they like literally played this movie at camp for the staff occasionally. Like that's how beloved this movie was. Everyone's always quoting it. We quoted it as campers. We quoted it as staff. Um, my first summer there, we're like in staff training, getting to know each other. Um, and like this group leader who pulls us over goes, okay. And just like completely earnestly goes, let's play the fun game that helps helps us learn each other's names. And I was just like, this is my moment. I'm going to crush it. Everyone here is going to get it because of where we are. And I just shout really loudly, we already know each other's names. Um, <laughs> and everyone just looks at me because we did not know each other's names. And they had and not seen the movie. No one in the group got the reference. <laughs> <I just laughs> real interested in my shoelaces and <laughs> was like an absolute idiot but i thought it was just such a layup like i was just <laughs> like oh thanks for the setup here i come gonna slam dunk it <laughs> and you just you throw the ball straight at the backboard and just bank it into the stands it's like a half court hook shot that like just like bounces off the ground and hits you in the face somehow <laughs> <laughs> And guess what? You're playing golf. Good God. <laughs> it did not go over well. <laughs> um, any other uh, any other heavyweights thoughts, Greg? Oh, I've got a few, man. Lay them on me. Uh, one of my favorite things was the mid-90s thing. I think the beginning scene of this movie is incredible. Because they do the, uh, the, the mid-90s thing of summer it's hot boys summer that's what the episode's about right they one of my notes is i was disappointed on the last day of first grade when people didn't run into the hall and throw their papers everywhere because i thought that that would happen because of this movie my notes say perfect intro to summer with the bell ringing and all the kids having carefree throwing paper in quotes at the ready <laughs> for when the bell rings it's like we don't need these anymore <laughs> <laughs> every kid is running out of the doors just throwing papers in the air and it rolls. and um yeah man like low-key one of my favorite things about this ah loki we already discussed it one of my favorite things about this movie is like all the sports references in it we're like, not teaching them about sports we're teaching them about life <laughs> that's right like I looked it up. The I think the camp the camp scenes were filmed in North Carolina, and like mm -hmm. a few of the kids are wearing like Carolina Panthers shirts and jerseys and that kind of thing. And um, except for the the British kid is wearing a '94 soccer World Cup shirt, which is a tournament that I don't think the British were actually involved in. England, <laughs> England. To my knowledge, England did not qualify for the 94 World Cup, so it's funny that a British kid was wearing a 94 World Cup shirt. Um, but my favorite one, and I'm going to put on my Islanders hat for this. Oh, snap. For those who are listening on audio, which is everyone, because we're not uploading this video, Greg has changed hats. <laughs> he's wearing a different hat now than he's been wearing this entire podcast. I think this movie might have cursed the New York Islanders franchise. I know nothing about that, but Team of the Future, I say. Uh, Team of the Future, things were looking up at the time, honestly. And then this movie came out. 
The 94-95 season ended up pretty disappointing for them. <laughs> pretty pretty fair compromise to get heavyweights if we had the monkey paw that. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure the writers of uh the kid the kids from Long Island, Jerry's from Long Island, so it makes sense that he would be he would be an Islanders fan. Never heard of it. One of the hottest franchises. They won four straight cups from 80 to 83. Um and then just sort of petered out. They had some good players. I think Ray Ferraro was their hottest player in that 95 season when this movie was made. Things were looking up, but then the Islanders made some terrible decisions. Um, starting with the introduction of Mike Milbury, who uh, had a little too much faith in Alexi Yashin. Basically, all I'm saying is the Islanders, it took them until 20... 15 to win a playoff series and i believe it was directly related to the film heavyweights the film heavyweights cursed them brought in mike milbury signed alexi yashin traded away roberto luongo ruined the franchise for years to come but it was an islanders affirming movie it was an islanders affirming movie it was an Ooh, islanders it was an islanders cursing movie mm. you heard it here first I, uh, to quote Goodberger, I understood some of those words. I understand some of these words. <laughs> <sighs> Man. Yeah. Um, the final scene with the uh, go-kart race, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Ford v. Ferrari ripped off <laughs> this scene, I'm convinced. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, did it. Boy, did it. Man, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, some of the same shots <laughs> from Ford v. Ferrari came from heavyweight's go-kart race. Um, I had one note. Yeah. One note and only one note in the whole movie. We're in Act 3. Tony has taken the kids on a 20-mile cleansing hike. Mm-hmm. And the adults are fully ready to betray him and report him for child abuse. They're actively seeking, like, legal, like, sustainable legal action. Yeah. Based on his actions so far. Yeah. And so this actually didn't occur to me until I was watching it this time. And I was actually taking notes. Why didn't they just call the police? They acted like there was, like, literally nothing you could do. The kids couldn't call their parents because Tony was limiting their action, their interaction yeah. with their parents. When the adults were like, time to abandon this sinking ship, this has gone too far, why didn't they call the kids' parents and say, like, hey, you gotta come get your kid. You know, like, you yeah. gotta get your kid out of this situation. They were, they were playing it like detectives in a cop show that were like we don't want to blow our case by convicting him too early before we have the real evidence that we're really looking for yeah like, no yeah. Just, just get your kids out of here <laughs> just yeah and they were like there's literally nothing free you can do we're not rich enough to get any of this done when it was like yeah sure you're probably not rich enough to take down this like camp but like 911 is free <laughs> you know, like, 
He's like literally taking kids to climb rock faces and not feeding them and telling them they can't come back to camp until they've met their weight loss goal. Call the police. Uh, that was my one note. My yeah. one thing that like, because I really think for all the insanity of this movie, they stay ugh, reasonably grounded in terms of camp movies. Like, cause they're, yeah, ultimately that, you know, that like, okay, it's, it's again, I've said before, I don't give a shit about realism. I'm not impressed with realism. I don't care about realism. It's a movie. Do it dramatically. Um, that was actually one kind of major plot hole that I was like, why do these adults not get on the, like the kids couldn't get to a phone. And when they did, it showed that like, they, they did kind of like, they kind of taper it with like Jerry calling his dad and his dad. He's like, they destroyed the go-karts. And his dad's like, I did not send you to go-kart camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but the adults could have been like, Hey, I'm not just a kid wanting to ride go-karts. Your child's getting abused. And oh. like, seriously need to come. You need to come pick him up. I also didn't send you to child abuse camp. So <laughs> there you so go. that was, uh, that was my one note. Do you have anything else to add? I have a few positives to end on because it's literally the only thing that really doesn't work about this movie, in my opinion. Do you have anything else? Nah, not really, man. I thought it was pretty great. Uh, yep. A lot of fun. It just, I don't know. I wish I watched it more yep. as a kid because I feel mm-hmm. like it it surpasses a lot of those mid-90s like cheesy camp flicks. Oh, yeah. It enters another level. You know, like, it really does. Um, I think my life would have been very different. I probably wouldn't have cared that much about camp if I didn't watch this movie so much. Yeah, if there's Uh, anything about us that everybody knows, it's that we care a lot. We care a lot. About camp. About camp. Um, I'm a fan of earned cheesiness. When you earn the right to be cheesy. Dude, like that scene where he's pushing uh, Jerry in the go-kart so good that's so cheesy but it's so earned that oh yeah and it's so real you know like it it felt genuine um that's exactly what that adult would do with a kid and how he would talk about those that uh experience sure it's awesome yeah and then he ends it with crazy about my gal uh, which is just such an earned cheesiness for him um (laughs) i love pat finley I love this credit song and I wish they would put it on Spotify. Um, here's a tip that you should try. If people laugh when you walk by, walk right up and proudly state, step off Jack. I'm a heavyweight. So awesome. <laughs> so awesome, man. I love it. Lifelong fat kid except for a few really disordered eating episodes where I weighed 165 pounds. Oh, man, I never weighed that much. Back off, Jack. <laughs> I'm a heavyweight. Uh, I love it, man. I'm not a heavyweight. Greg, what's your favorite line in this movie? Oh, man, I don't think I... I wasn't prepared for the favorite line question. I think it I might it, it might be body. Like, we have the body, body. system. We have a body system. <laughs> body system (laughs) i just remembered something else i loved which was uh when he gets the pez depends pez dispenser out of roy or (laughs) sock 
and they fully in the sounds of him unloading a gun. And like I was gonna, oh, I was gonna mention that. Like, it sounds like shell casings hitting the floor. It's so funny. It says, I, looks like my man's packing. Um, I think my favorite line is, attention campers, lunch has been canceled due to lack of hustle. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> so good. Greg, what's your critic rating? Uh, my my critic rating was a 27 out of 40, which Ooh. is a 6.75 out of 10. That's a snubski, brother. Just just shy of 7. You talked about this movie like it's much more than a 6.75. The way you described this, I, I would have not called a 6.75. I did. All right. And I get that. I stand by it. Again, signifying that I rank movies based off their place in their genre not of all-time movies if we're going to talk about family comedies i gave this a 4.2 out of 5 42 yeah. out of 50 yeah um i think that again anything over four stars means i think it transcended the genre if you do not care about camp movies if you do not care about boys accepting themselves as they are i still think there's something for you in heavyweights um, I, I really think it's one of the best family comedies ever made. It's got just enough edge to pull in a teenager, just enough, uh, serious narrative thread to pull in an adult and lots of funny, funny humor to pull in a child. Um, case in point, one time I saw it on Disney channel and it was edited for TV and they edited out Nicholas's fart when they break into Tony's cabin and it made no sense. Just oh. nothing come on can you believe disney channel edited out a <laughs> like they were like we can't they so put it there in the first place yeah. they, they made it <laughs> you're censoring yourself <laughs> cowards <laughs> unbelievable blue, 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 blue. seamless edit wayne's world finger thing blue, 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 blue. yeah guys Seamless edit, uh, part three, I guess. A uh, little peek behind the curtain. Uh, we totally forgot to record the part of the show where we actually said what our best pick was for the movies for when. So we did not pick the best movie for when it's Hot Boy Summer. Oops. I did it the first time ever. Because we remembered the other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're... we're one for two on remembering the gimmick in the first place. I think we already forgot why we do this podcast and have just used this as an excuse to <laughs> about movies together. Um. Fine with me, man. I like that. Uh, Denny, what is your pick for the best movie for when you're having a hot boy summer? I'm really torn. I'm really, really torn. Um, I think the spirit of it is the pick of friend of the show, Will Reno's Wet Hot American Summer. There's just a summer triumphant energy about that movie. But I am actually going to go with my pick, Heavyweights, as a current fat boy who is having a hot boy summer. Um, I think that that is a movie that says hot boy summer is for everyone. Hot boy is a mentality. Hot boy is about feeling good about yourself. Um, and you know, sometimes the girls are a little timid at the dance, but you win them over with your sweet moves. And that's why heavyweights is my pick for the best movie for when you were having a hot boy summer. 
I was uh, I was definitely hoping you would pick heavyweights. I think it encompasses every word and every uh, essence of the spirit of the hot boy summer. Because, man, you got It's Summer. Wet Hot American Summer covers all of these things. But this one's all about the boys. The hot boys, because they feel like they're hot boys. Even if they're girls, whatever, man. As long as everybody's confident, feeling good, having a nice summer, everybody wins. And heavyweights really captures that that, uh, spirit. I'm with you. What's your pick, Greg? I, I just said heavyweights, man. Oh, okay. That's yeah, official. that's I'm Put agreeing it on with the books. It, heavyweights is the winner. Another right. consensus. Um, so we said on the podcast that next week we would be doing movies for when your partner speaks a different language than you, because both Greg and I have partners who are multilingual, and we both speak broken Spanglish at best. Um, that's and right. I only know how to say one phrase in Thai, which my wife speaks, and that phrase is "Will you marry me, Vanessa?" Uh, or very literally, uh, you will marry with me, yes? So, and um, she said, I will, yes. Yes. Um, but we want to have our partners on for that. We want them to be able to watch that, all that stuff with us. We want them to come on the pod and share their picks. And my partner's busy. So we are going to do a different episode next week, TBD. It's going to be a... Surprise entrant in the movie Royal Rumble, brother. Um, we haven't decided yet. Um, so give us a couple of days to talk about it and get ready for whatever day we finish editing on. And by we, I do mean Greg, because I'm Denny, the talent tailor, and he's Greg, the legwork Johnson. <laughs> I've got the legs to prove it, baby. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. Greg, anything else? No, uh, the next one's going to be an, a really nice time. Uh, I'm sure we already talked about it in the podcast, but things are moving along. Uh, we finally got cover art. Uh, follow the Twitter, please. We're going to have polls later for picking our third movies and also picking our topics in the future. Uh, it's kind of tough to do with only a few followers, but yeah. At, <laughs> at Movies for Win... Tell please, your friends about our podcast. Tell Please tell your friends about this show. it's gonna be great um thank you for enduring the seamless edit uh interjection in the middle of the episode uh please understand that it will be more clean next time yeah maybe in a while man what's that you haven't bathed in a while oh yeah i'm i'm a nasty boy this is a nasty edit (laughs) it's stinky can i can i do the catchphrase I mean, you already did it at the end of the episode, so we're all set. Is this the end of the episode? No. Wow. I'm putting it in the middle, man. I'm going to make this edit as seamless as possible, despite wow. so despite us directly calling attention to it. I feel like a Back to the Future script writer with how we're, with how we're altering our own history Guess from a very what? face. There's payoff because we said so. Marty, we have to go back. To about three quarters of the way through the podcast episode. Where we're going, we won't need movies for when your partner speaks a different language than you. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, Denny, plug yourself, man. What's your Twitter account? Not that you well, even post really anything. Like to plug, my, about, plug myself on the air. Um, that's more for my private time. Oh, my God. Um, my Twitter account is at one dark stallion. I never use it. Uh, my letterboxed and critiker handles are the moose man. 
all one word, part moose, part moose man. Um, Greg, you have any selfs to plug? Uh, just my, just me, I guess. Uh, my Critiker, I do not have a letterbox. I have a Critiker. It's T3H Johnson, and that is also my Twitter handle, at T3H Johnson. Like I said, you can follow um, Movies for When on Twitter. Maybe more social accounts to follow, but at T3H Johnson will get you pictures of my dog and also my random thoughts about other various things. All right, then I'll close this out with my shoehorned catchphrase and can affirm that you want pictures of Greg's dog. Greg's dog. He's a stinky boy and a good boy. Um, all right, for Greg Johnson, I'm Denny Taylor, and this is Movies for When? We already told you when. Peace! Stay sweet.